Hey everybody, it's Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So, social media, the internet, can that be your church? Can you have Christian community through tweeting and Facebooking and Pinteresting? And can we really be the body of Christ online? On today's show, we'll look at the strengths and weaknesses of online social media community Can we be the body of Christ without gathering together in the local church? They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken. Social media church. Can we be uh, the church by just being online? I I hear people, I actually don't hear them do this. I see them tweet this and post this. They'll say, this is my church. Twitter's my church. Facebook's my church. Can we be the church online? What are the strengths and the weaknesses of being the church online? Now, before you just shut this thing down and get all upset with me, this is not going to be one of those all-or-nothing polarizing podcast. Now, if you've listened to the show on a regular basis, you know that's not my heart. My heart is not to exaggerate things, to make things worse, to polarize the discussion. It's already pretty bad, right? Uh, My heart is to look at the strengths and weaknesses, or as we like to say in uh, counseling areas, uh, the growth areas. I'm not a counselor, but I learned that. You never say weaknesses, you say growth areas. But I want to look at Uh, strengths of social media and weaknesses when it comes to being the body of Christ. And I do want to look at this issue. Can we truly be the church just with an online expression? Uh, If you've been listening to the show on a regular basis the last few weeks, thank you. You're amazing. Well done. I'd give you a hug if I could, but we can't. Uh, But if you've been listening on a regular basis, you know I've been going through my book, The Community of God, and uh, I'd really encourage those of you who haven't haven't picked up the book yet, I wouldn't just encourage you, I'd ask you, could you please buy a copy? That would support this ministry. Um, My goal is to get this book out to as many people as possible. Um, My heart is to strengthen the church, uh, to continue on with this ministry. I pastor a local church. Uh, But my heart as an evangelist is to strengthen the local church, to strengthen pastors. And one of the ways I'm doing this, or hopefully trying to do this, is through writing this book. The book's called The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. And uh, we've been just looking at community from a theological perspective, from a practical perspective, the things we like about it, the things we don't like about it, why it is essential to carrying out God's purposes on earth, why it is essential for us to grow, uh, to have an understanding of community. 
So you can uh, buy the book through my website, fairlyspiritual.org. Uh, I'll send a uh, personal signed copy. Uh, also, uh, Audible, there's an audio version. Yes, I've read the book at least once, right? I read it out loud for the audio version. And through Audible, uh, if you've never had an Audible membership, you can download it for free. So if you're a first-time member, uh, become a member, and you can download it for free. And you can also get it at Amazon.com as well. Uh, I'm asking you, if you love these podcasts, the best way to say, hey, Doug, I appreciate what you're doing is to buy these books. Is that is that wrong for me to ask that? I, I hope not. Uh, that's really, you know, the reason I'm providing this content, obviously, is to be faithful to the Lord, but I, I really, to support this, that's one of the ways you could do that, to buy one of these books. You can do them as a small group as well. At the end of each chapter, there are uh, questions to help with a study group. If you did a, a, a book group, lots of ways to deal with this. But anyway, we're getting to the end of this, and then we're going to move on to some other things with the podcast, so I'm excited about that as well. But we're in chapter 17, and chapter 17 is all about the social media church. And so I just want to get into that right now uh, with the strengths and weaknesses of the social media church. Can we be a church online? Uh, but first things first, I don't want to be an all-or-nothing narrative. And what I find when it comes to social media is you see those articles that either talk about how social media is destroying our culture or how it's the best thing ever. Right now I'm working on my doctorate in social media and reconciliation, and I've noticed even uh, in books in academia, they're often either everything about social media is great or everything is really troubling and we're you know going down this terrible place where we won't be able to talk to each other anymore. I don't believe that's the reality. There's some strengths and there's some weaknesses. So uh, I want to look at these seriously because we're in new territory here. We're all discovering this as we move ahead. This We've never been here before. I have four kids. Uh, three of them are teenagers. The fourth one will be a teenager really soon. And the reality is this is new territory, how we communicate online and how we interact as Christians online and how the church can be healthy online and is our online community enough uh, for us to truly be the church? Or do we also need to meet in person? First, some strengths of social media communication. And I, and I think we need to talk about these things. Social media has allowed us to facilitate meaningful connections in ways we could have never imagined. And uh, by the way, my Twitter handle is at Fairly Spiritual. And through Twitter, I've connected with so many people, people that I could have never connected with. Uh, it's allowed me to facilitate meaningful relationships with, one, a diversity of people, people that I just never would have walked down the same street with them, never said hi to them, never even known they existed. I've been able to connect with a diversity of religious expressions, uh, with atheists, with Catholics, with different Protestants, with Baptists, with non-denominational. Uh, I've been able to see a wide variety of expressions out there and have meaningful conversations through social media that I simply would never have had if it hadn't been social media. And I think you're using social media wrong if you're just hanging out with people similar to you. One of the things I love about social media is I have people who are extremely progressive that I follow and people who are extremely conservative, both in the political realm and in the religious realm. That to me is wonderful that I can have those interactions, I can see their perspective, I can figure out how they view and process the world. I love the fact that I've been able to connect with people who have very different views on the world, and it's helped me. You know, I live in the Northwest, and there's a certain form of Christianity in the Northwest that's a little different than other parts of the world. 
being able to, I, I frankly didn't have a lot of relationships with Southern Baptist. And boy, I've been able to see how much Southern Baptists are influencing the conversation of the world as I began to engage in social media. And I've been able to see the strengths and the weaknesses of that reality, but it's helped me see how they process the world and how they process things politically. I've been able to see how different it is if you're raised in the South or you're raised in the Northeast or our friends in Canada that I connect with are in Britain or Australia. It's amazing what social media can do. And I would encourage you, look through your social media platforms right now. And you might say, I only have a few friends on social media. Or I don't I don't have what you have, Doug, uh, through Twitter or Facebook. But if you're just hanging out with people like you, I think you're really missing an opportunity. If you're just finding people who agree with you, uh, you don't need to do that. You got you got your family, or maybe your family doesn't agree with you. One of the strengths of social media is you can connect with people that you could never connect with before. I love the if your if your social media feed is just a bunch of white people. Like if you're a white person and there's just a bunch of white people in your feed, that's a problem. If there's just a bunch of dudes, if you're a dude and there's just a bunch of dudes that you follow and you all just talk about the same thing, I think you're missing out on a great opportunity. Another thing I like about social media, though, is you can connect with people just like you uh, who have very unique experiences where uh, we know this even for for nerd alerts, right, where you have some very specific nerdy thing that no one else cares about. Well, (laughs) through social media, you can connect with another nerd out there who cares uh, as much as you do about the second Star Trek series. Not the first one, but the second one. Like you can find those people, you can unite, and you can share community. You can also uh, find people who've gone through the same trauma as you, which is one of the most powerful things with social media. You can find people who've, who've experienced church abuse or people who've um, been under the leadership of a narcissist or uh, people who've had bad experiences in relationships or people who struggle with the same uh, addictions or the same medical conditions or people who don't like rain. It's amazing how you can find someone out there just like you. And one of the weaknesses, though, and we've seen this as well, is also social media has allowed people who uh, really have wicked and terrible uh, behaviors to unite with other people who have wicked and terrible behaviors. And before, you know, they might have just been like, boy, this is just bad. These are bad thoughts. These are bad behaviors. But now they can find other people like them and say, well, it must not be that bad because I found other people to connect with. So there's an element of that as well, where some of the most wicked, terrible, awful behaviors are are given some sort of, I'm not saying authority, but they're recognized as maybe not that bad because through social media, people can find other people with those terrible behaviors. They can find other deplorable people like them and say, well, it must not be that bad because there's more people like that. But besides that, that's a great strength to social media. So any Christian who comes in and says, you know, we just got to get off the internet, we got to get off Twitter and Facebook and just spend time with the people in our community, well, maybe... But I love it that I get to connect with pastors and religious leaders all over the world. I get, I love it that I can connect with someone who's incredibly progressive and incredibly conservative. I love the fact that I can have an interaction with an atheist and an interaction with an Orthodox Jew. I, I love that fact that social media allows for all those things to happen. So that to me is one of the one of the main strengths of social media. Another incredible strength of social media, and I don't think we should downplay this, is social media gives voice to the disenfranchised, to the oppressed, and to the marginalized. 
And I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but uh, one of the powerful things about social media is it allows you to get your voice out there. Uh, you don't have to go through the gatekeeper. You can, you can share your opinion and you can get it out there. Uh, we've seen this for church abusive churches. I, I'm, I'm not going to mention different names right now and, and get off on tangents here, but I, I even saw it used in the Northwest where there was an abusive uh, church leader and he was trying to you know, control the narrative. And he could control the narrative in his church, right? You know, no one else could preach in the church, but through social media, the people who had been hurt by that pastor, uh, they begin to unite. And I get it that this can be misused. You know, one person can say a lie or a few people can say lies. But if somebody has been abusive as a leader uh, and a bunch of people have been abused by that leader, they come out of the woodworks. And that's one of the great things about social media where now suddenly you have, you know, one, then two, then three, then four, then five, then 10, 15, 20 former leaders begin to post things and tweet things and begin to organize and come together and start uh, blogs and uh, Facebook sites. Again, not to be incredibly hostile. Of course, there are hostile places, but some just to gather together as people who have all gone through the same experience of abuse, who all have the same problem, who all want to see the same repentance or the same accountability. That has been fostered by social media, and that's a good thing. People who before had no voice, they might have just left the church and what could they do? They could go to the local newspaper and the newspaper wouldn't care. Now they could they could uh, open a, you can open a blog and just be a jerk, but they could start a blog and if they have a legitimate grievance and others have been treated poorly as well, well, the other people begin to say, yes, I was treated that way as well. And somebody else comes and says, I was treated that way as well. And next thing you know, you have voice for the oppressed and the abused. We have to be very careful. I hear people say, they'll say sweeping statements against uh, any form of communication like that. They'll say, oh, you know, we just don't want to be critical. They'll just be completely negative or completely positive about any kind of blog or any kind of post or any kind of site that is formed by people who've been oppressed or abused or have a grievance against people in positions of power or authority. The reality is we have to have discernment in every case. Yes, sometimes people are rude, they're jerks, they're mean, they're inappropriate, they're unstable, they start a blog, they start a post, and they try to tear down leaders, and it's a bad blog, it's a bad post. It's the problem with social media that anybody can post and do whatever they want. They can, they can basically be abusive and be a bully. But there are other places where people have genuinely been hurt, they've genuinely been sinned against, and through the power of social media, they've been able to unite. And I'm glad that that's there. We've seen this also to give voice um, in churches where, let's say, women were not given voice, where they were controlled. They, now women can, can speak. They can, they can put out uh, their, their podcast. They can, put out their, they can write their material. They can post their material. And others can find that material. And they can have voice where maybe they did not have voice in the traditional structures. You find this where minority groups can have more voice, ethnic groups can have more voice, groups that are marginalized in society gain greater voice through social media. And I'm highlighting these things because, again, often I see with Christians is we just go one or the other. It's all positive or it's all negative. And, and this is great reform for the church as well, that it's good for a church to know this, that if a church is going to just be, you know, it's our church, 
love it or leave it, we're in power, uh, we can do whatever we want, we can harm people, we can hurt people. I'm glad to know that if there's leaderships, uh, you know, leadership in positions of power, there's boards, there's pastors in positions of power, and they're misusing that power, I'm glad to know that there are places that people who have been abused and sinned against and hurt can go to unite, not only to find healing, not only to find comfort, but they can also unite to bring reform or even to shut down terrible churches. Because ultimately, if a church is doing more harm than more good, it should shut down. And it's not one or the other. Now, whenever I say something like this, someone might think I'm speaking towards it depends on the situation, right? I, I, I can't, this is a general statement, but the reality is I've seen it used well where it's been a great place for people with marginalized voices to have voice. And I've also seen it used poorly. I've seen sites where people just begin to complain about what's wrong with churches and they use it without accountability and they use it just to be disgruntled and angry and bitter. So again, discernment is going to be needed there. But one of the strengths of social media. And then I think these are two of the greatest strengths, as I just mentioned. One is you can connect with people who are different from you and who are also similar to you. And another great strength of social media and strengthening the church is it's given voice to the disenfranchised, to the oppressed, and to the marginalized. But I want to look at some of the weaknesses as well, because I do see some people saying, well, you know, I can just, my church is just, I stay home and I get, I get ministered to through social media. People, you know, they pray for me. I, I write a concern. They give me a scripture. I connect with them. And, and I've had meaningful connections through Twitter. I've had meaningful relationships where we, we, we begin to direct message each other. It's turned into phone calls. It's turned into relationships. I'm, I'm not saying we can't have meaningful relationships, but I, I've seen this trend. People say, I don't, I don't need to go into a church. I can have my church at home. Here's to me one of the problems with social media, one of the biggest problems why social media, in my opinion, can't ultimately, is, it's not enough to be the church in most cases. Social media cannot hug you. It can't hug you. It ultimately lacks an incarnational reality. The incarnation is Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's not that God from the heavens just yelled down and said, I'm giving you another New Testament, another Testament. And then he said, watch out, everybody move out of the way. And then, you know, the scripture just fell from the sky. No, it's that God dwelt with us. He abided with us. There's this God with us. And uh, I had a professor, a Dr. Wes Pinkham, that I really loved. And I, and one of the things I loved about him is he, he'd say, you know, often we turn theology into a thing. And he'd say, things can't hug you. And he would constantly warn us against turning our theology into a thing. And one of the dangers of social media is it works against some of the most intimate expressions of love. If you think about some of the most intimate expressions of loving relationships, they go beyond just words. They go beyond, you know, what I can tweet to someone or post to someone. Uh, for me and my wife, we can just sit in the room and be quiet and just abide with each other. I can put, I can grab her hand 
and we can hold hands and just express love by looking at each other and smiling. I can go out uh, with a good friend of mine and we can go to a baseball game and we can just sit there and watch the game and hardly say anything. In fact, the closer our relationship is, the less we really need to say. Now, some people in their relationship, they love to say a lot of things. But for others, it's not needed. Uh, my wife and I could just go on a drive and just kind of drive around and look at things and maybe say something and maybe not say something. Go for a walk and just relax. In fact, the more secure a relationship is, the less you really need to say anything. Often people say that. They say, you know, one of the reasons I know we have a good friendship is you know, we don't see each other that often, but when we see each other, we can just sit there and it doesn't matter. We don't have to say anything and we know that we're okay. The problem with the internet is it, it can't hug you. It can't reach out and abide with you in that way. There's a distance in the room. There's a disconnect. Often it's not a place of abiding, but it's a place of I say something and you say something. And I, and I think that's a big issue. And, and I, know, I know when you're in the room with someone, they can also hurt you. So people are like, I, I don't want to be hugged. Because a room that can hug me can also be sneer at me and say mean words. And, and so I just rather not be hugged. I'm not, I'm not the hugging type. And, but I know as a pastor, when I've entered a room, in fact, the most traumatic rooms, words are often not appropriate. Or at least at first they're not appropriate. When I've entered a hospital room and someone is on their deathbed, I don't just launch into a bunch of words. I go over and I, I grab their hand or I touch their forehead. And even my word is just very simple. It's like, hey, or I sure love you. And even the way I say those words, it's not the words themselves, it's the way I say them, which, which you just can't do online. You, you, there's no emotion to the words. You, just, you can say, I love you, on social media, but you look at someone and you, you look them in the eyes and you, you touch their forehead as they're in the hospital bed and you say, I, I love you. Or you say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And then you wait, and you wait with them. Or as they share, you shake your head in affirmation, and you wait. There's so much in abiding. There's so much in those nonverbal communication. There's so much in, in positive touch. There's so much in those things that you just, you just can't do through social media. You just can't escape that. There's so much and just being in the room. I, I, there's been people where I've just been in the room. You just sit in the room with them. It's not even a conversation. It's just where I'm going to be in the room and you can just be at peace because I'm in the room with you. Or you're in the room and you just let them talk, which you don't do that on social media. You don't just say, I'm just going to have you talk endlessly and I'm here. There's even the need if someone says something and then you say something and they say something and you say something versus just having them talk and talk and talk. And you're just there. And you listen. Now you can do some of these elements. And I'm not saying that God can't be present through the written word. I'm just saying it's a lot harder. It's a lot more difficult. There's an incarnational reality to the gospel where Christ is with us in the room. And I think it's important. Our closest relationships at some level have it where we abide with someone 
in the room with them. And I think there's a role for that that's always going to be needed. The last thing I'd like to look at here with one of the weaknesses of social media being the church is social media lacks accountability. And what I mean by that, and I want to get into this a little bit uh, because I think social media lacks accountability in this way, is uh, some people say, well, Facebook's my the place that I go or Twitter's the place I go. But I'm just going to read something from the book, page 224, and, and, and give you my thoughts on this, why social media lacks accountability. For the most part, social media lacks this accountability to examine and to contend for the well-being of the larger community. Individuals do not ask, how is Facebook doing? Neither do Christians rally together to make sure Twitter stays healthy. Facebook and Twitter simply provide platforms for people to come together. However, the coming together is founded primarily on individual needs and wants. We open our accounts, create our profiles, communicate our truths, find like-minded people, and interact with those who we agree with or disagree with our points excuse me, we, we, we find like-minded people and interact with those who agree or disagree with our point of view. Instead of gathering together to form a larger expression of community or another expression of community, we more often gather because the interacting benefits us. Consequently, people commonly engage or disengage from social media based solely on their personal feelings, needs, or wants. Seldom will individuals engage with social media to form or join a community they are called to steward. For example, when individuals stop attending Evergreen Church, that's the church that I pastor, they are making a conscious choice to communicate that they no longer believe they are responsible for the health of Evergreen Church. If they stop giving of their time, service, or money, they are communicating that the development of the maintaining of Evergreen is someone else's responsibility. In contrast, when people step away from Twitter or Facebook, they might be isolating from the potential of interacting with certain individuals, but they are not breaking a social contract. Instead, individuals have the right to interact as much or as little as they want on social media based on their personal needs. Twitter and Facebook will continue just fine with or without any specific person's presence. The people we interact with at a distance will simply move on to someone else. In a church context, the absence of a church member can actually lead to the inability to provide a part-time salary for a youth worker, or cause an overworked volunteer nursery worker or a worship leader to resign from his or her post. The relational accountability of churches is far more complicated than the lack of involvement in social media. Through social media, people unite through ideas and shared experiences without having to depend upon each other by working together to accomplish a shared vision. When people disappear on social media, they, they often cannot be found, as they have only existed online as profile names, without connecting those profile names to actual physical places or communities that can be visited. While we could find exceptions to this reality, the lack of relational accountability within social media constitutes a genuine obstacle to forming biblical relationships. That's from the book, The Community of God. And what I'm pointing at is that when you are a part of a church, 
The church is bigger than you. It's not about my health. It's not about your health. It's about the health of the church. It's how is the church doing? So people ask, how is Evergreen doing? And Evergreen's health, Evergreen Foursquare Church's health, is more important than my health and your health. And Evergreen is supposed to be vital and healthy whether or not I'm doing well or you doing well. And whether I die tomorrow, I still want Evergreen to have a vitality. I want it to be bigger than my individual expression. Social media, on the other hand, is really a lot about our individual expressions. People don't ask, how's the health of Facebook? How's the health of Twitter? And you can see that. People just go, yeah, I'm just taking a sabbatical from it. I'm just going to step away from it for a few months. I'm just... So we don't treat social media like a community. We treat it more like a platform for me to get my individual needs met. I need people to hear me. I need to connect with people. I need people to respond to me. But it's still a very individualist, individualistically focused endeavor. It's not always like that. But in many cases it is. I have many people that I interact through on social media that I have no idea who they are. They have uh, anonymous accounts, and we have nice interactions, but the reality is I could never find them. If, if tomorrow they shut down their account, they would cease to exist in my life. And to me, there's just something incredibly tragic in that. And we have had these powerful interactions, and yet they would just cease to exist. Now, in our church, if someone... Uh, stopped coming, I could find them and see if they're okay and at least go to their funeral if they had died. I could care enough to know if they were in the hospital or sick or at least to know their real lives. Not a perception of their lives, but their actual lives. There is a lack of accountability in social media, there is a distance there. Now, there are distances in churches, and you've gone to churches like that where everybody puts on their smiley face and you don't know who anyone is, and everyone's lying, or at least you feel like everyone's lying. I know I'm using everyone, and certainly everyone is not true of anyone, but there's that feeling. So churches can be just as phony as social media. But the reality is, I believe at some level, if we're going to be the body of Christ, we need to truly find a way we need to truly find a way to connect, to connect in a real way, in an incarnational way, an incarnational way where we abide with people, where we can hug them, where we can smile, where we can weep together, where we can laugh together, where we truly know each other, and where we can abide together for a purpose that is bigger than us, for a community that we are building now, you can build a community online, and I would hope you would, and some of you are. You're building social media platforms to build community, and that's excellent. And as I said before, there are many powerful things through social media. I don't think it's either or. I think in the healthiest way, it's both. But I think we need to have a serious discussion. If you've drawn that line and said, no, 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 no social media is just my church, why? Why is that the only way Christ can find you? Why is that? And I would find probably you've made a law. You've made a law that's keeping yourself from abiding in the room with people, and it probably comes from a fair amount of hurt. And I don't know if that's an action towards God or a, a reaction from something that hurts you. You're going to have to decide that.
It's the same for me. If I'm like, you know, social media is just wrong. Well, is that a reaction against? Because I'm upset that some people are getting more out of social media than they are out of the church. Is that a reaction against something? Or am I willing to be open and to learn the fact that people are getting amazing things out of online communication and that I need to open my heart to the fullness of Christ as Christ is being expressed, not just in the local body, but through all these amazing social media platforms. These are things we need to pray about. These are things we need to seek. These are things we need to understand. We need to facilitate greater community and greater connection on all platforms, whether in person or online. All right, there's some thoughts there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fairly Spiritual. That's at Fairly Spiritual. My website is fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. And you can pick up this book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. And I go into this a lot more deeper on in the book. The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can get that at Amazon.com or at my website. I'd love it if you could pick up a copy. You can get it at Audible for free if you're a first-time member by signing up. Uh, and then, of course, we have podcasts for every chapter of the book. Uh, at the website as well. All right, my brother Dan has done the theme music for this uh, show. Be sure to pick up his music at iTunes. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I'll see you next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken by your word, your Holy Spirit's leading me, you are my only one, you're the only one worth living for, so I'm My dreams with you